Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning. So good to be here. I have to say you're all looking really good today. I don't know about you, but um, when you're wearing the masks, the first thing you notice are people's eyes, right? Because that's the only kind of half of the face you can see. And I was at the supermarket the other day and, you know, in the um, fresh aisle where they've got the, the, um, the veggies and the fruit and you can lean up and kind of grab it. There's a mirror at either end just to extend it and make it look good. And I kind of leaned up to get some veggies and out of the corner of my eye, I saw myself and I glanced that way. And I was shook. I mean, I was shook. All I could see were two bags. <laughs> I couldn't see the rest of my face. I could just see two bags. And I thought, does it look that bad? And I went for another look and I went, yep. So if anyone knows any good concealers, please come and hit me up after the service because um, I think I need to invest in some to go with a mask. But anyway, so it's fine. You're looking great. And how good is it that we're here? I mean, we've been... Um, meeting online regularly, probably coming up nearly 18 months now. And I just want to give a big shout out to our tech team because don't you think they do a great job? They help keep us connected. And um, it's been an incredible way for us to stay connected. And we are really grateful that the internet is where it's at today. Otherwise, it would be a different story, wouldn't it, during these challenging times. So good job to our team. Well done. And welcome to those online. Excited to have you here. So who I'm going to be sharing on today is a lady called Deborah. Yeah. So has anyone heard of Deborah? Yeah. She is from the Bible, uh, which we're going to be reading today. No, she's from the book of Judges. There are two books of Judges and she's from the first book. And she appears to us about 205 years after the Israelites have been led out of Egypt. So to put it in some context, there's been just over 200 years since they've been out of Egypt. Now, the Israelites are very, very special people. In Deuteronomy 7.6, God actually calls them his special possession, his treasured possession. He loves them. He wants to look after them. They're very, very close to his heart. Unfortunately, they are so dumb sometimes, you want to hit them over the head with their shepherd sticks. <laughs> They are not a very bright people. They love God. They have a tendency, though, to turn away from Him, don't they? If you've read that part of the Bible, they follow a very predictable pattern of walking away from God and reducing their faith in God to something that they throw away as they begin to worship false idols and partake of vile and ungodly acts. Because of their blatant disobedience, God allows enemies to overcome them, defeat them, and then they are in a time of turmoil and they cry out to God for, for him to rescue them. And he does, doesn't he? God hears their cries. God sees their pain. He feels sorry for them because he loves them. And so he sends someone to come and rescue them. And this is where Deborah comes in. There are a multitude of judges mentioned before her. And so what happens is God raises up a judge, sends a message. The Israelites repent. They do what's right until the judge dies. And then it's like they've just forgotten everything they've learned and they go back to their old ways. So Deborah comes to us 200 years after the Israelites have left Egypt and she's raised, um, God raises her up during this time where they 
are crying out to God in pain. So we're going to read a large chunk of Scripture, but stick with me because it's a cool story. Okay, so if you've got your Bible, turn to Judges chapter 4, and we're going to read it. It's going to come up on screen as well, and then we're going to talk about that after. Let's have a look. Again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. I have to stop and not comment because I just want to I just want to comment on everything, so I'm just going to read this through, okay? Now Ehud was dead. He was a there I go again. He was a previous judge. <laughs> so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harashesh Hagoyim. <laughs> Stop it now. Because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried out to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Israel, and she said... Son of, sorry, son of Abinoam from Kadesh in Naphtali and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I'll go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honour will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Mm. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. Now Heber the Kenite had left the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, Moses' brother-in-law, and pitched his tent by the great tree in Zananim near Kadesh. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera summoned from Harashesh Hagoyim to the Kishon River all his men and his 900 chariots fitted with iron. Then Deborah <laughs> said to Barak, Go! This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. This is where you insert the eye roll here. <laughs> Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harashish Hagoyim, and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. Ooh. So he entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. That is the first warning, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened up a skin of milk, gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone there? You need to say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer 
and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. Just then, just then at that particular time, Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. Mm. <laughs> On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites and the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. The end. <laughs> what a story. Let's just pray quickly. Father, I thank you. <laughs> I just need to catch my breath. Um, I thank you, Lord, that you're here with us today, that you have a word. And I pray that as I speak, people's hearts are opened and you help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So oh, now the summary. What a crazy story. <laughs> Could you just imagine the kind of blockbuster movie they would make out of this today? I mean, there is a lot of action going on there. First off, we've got Deborah. She's the um, judge of the Israelites and she is a prophet. That is really important to note. She is a judge and a prophet. She hears from God. She delivers God's word. Then we have Barak, the army leader from the tribe of Naphtali. He asks her, so Deborah summons him. He asks her to come to battle with him as he leads the charge. He felt very ill-equipped to deal with this army. And for good reason. Sisera's army had 900 iron chariots. This is huge back in that day. This is like going to war with tanks, with peasants on foot with pitchforks. It was a David and Goliath battle. It was huge. There was no way they could win. Barak was nervous. So he says to Deborah, come with me, because I know that you carry the Spirit of God. I know that you carry wisdom, and we're going to have a breakthrough if you come with us. So he did it. Then we have Sisera, the army leader of Jabin's army. He has been tormenting the Israelites for 20 years. I think it's important to put some perspective into this. We're not talking about, you know, the story of David and Goliath, where Goliath's standing on the hill, like, ha-ha, send someone to beat me. We're not talking about that kind of tormenting. He was an evil, evil man. Evil. The women didn't know if their men were ever going to come home at night because he would go in and kill people. You didn't know if your kids were going to be safe because they were such a vile, evil community that were oppressing the Israelites. They would go in, they would rape, they would plunder all the towns around there. So we're not talking about someone just taunting them verbally. He was a bad man. And he had 900 iron chariots with very, very, very excellent soldiers. So we had Sisera. Finally, we're introduced to Jael, another hero in the story. She's the wife of Heber, who they mentioned earlier. And Heber, actually enough, is an iron worker. And it does mention that there is an alliance between him and the king, which is probably why when Sisera ran away, which king should never run away, he went straight to her tent because it was probably a prominent tent. And he goes, oh, there's Heber's tent. I'm going to go hide in there because we have an alliance together. But lo and behold, God uses Jael. He uses her hand and Jael is finally the one to slay the king. And then God delivers them. Interesting. Interesting story, isn't it? So this is a very cool story. But in all of this, the person I want to speak to you about today is Deborah. There is a lot that we can learn from her character. And I want to go through three life lessons that I have um, really been looking at and dwelling over. The first one, if you have your 
pen or you have your phone, let's take some notes because uh, it helps your brain to be able to remember things. Deborah answers God's call. Deborah answered God's call. She said yes to God, didn't she? She said yes to God. As a matter of fact, she made a permanent camp under the palm tree. Now, we don't know her past. We don't know her experience. We know that she's married. We know that she is uh, living among these people. So I bet she saw a need because these people were far away from God at the time. So we're talking there would have been a lot of disputes because they were making bad choices, you know. When you make bad choices, there are a lot of consequences. So there would have been a lot of people needing wisdom, needing guidance, needing someone to speak into it and help. So Deborah saw the need of her people, so she rose up and she said yes. I don't think it would have been very comfortable being a woman in this period of time to have, be someone of such significant position. Do you? Thinking back to that time, she is the first mentioned woman that was a prophet and a judge. She said yes to God's call. Ordinary people can say yes to God's call. They see your need, they say yes, and they can actually change the course of history. And that's what Deborah did. I've been reading this week about another young lady called Irina Sendler. Has anyone heard of her? She was around in the Nazi war and she was a single woman that rescued over 2,500 young children from their families because she was posing as an inspector of sanitary conditions during a typhoid outbreak. So these families were Jewish families and she knew they were getting shipped off, you know, during the war to be assassinated. So she saw the kids and she thought, that's something that I can do. I see a need. I'm going to do something. So all of a sudden, she's some, some sort of sanitary person. She goes in. She convinces the parents to let her take the kids, which in itself would just be the most heartbreaking thing ever. And she smuggles them out in body bags in the back of an ambulance and she goes and finds lovely non-Jewish homes for them to live with because she wants the kids to live. I mean, she can't do as much about the parents, but she saw a need. She wanted the kids to live. Eventually, the Nazis heard about it and they caught up with her and they tortured her a lot. She didn't give up any names, although she was severely injured. They put her in prison and during the course of time, she actually broke out and spent the rest of the war on the run from the Nazis. When the war was over, she went back to each and every one of these homes and what she did previously was she hid in the neighbour's backyard in a jar under their apple tree the details of the child's family. So she went back to the kids, she went to the neighbour's yard, dug up the jar, got the details and if she could, because many of them had died, if she could, she went and reunited them with their families. I know. <laughs> She saw a need and she addressed the need in the community. Now, I don't know what her faith was personally, but looking at these two characters, they saw a need and they said yes, didn't they? They didn't let their ordinary life stop them. They didn't let their lack of experience stop them because they know there's a bigger call. When we're looking at Deb Deborah, we know that she was answering yes to God. She did not fit a mould, did she? She didn't fit a mould. There was no one that had done this before her. There was no one that she could go to and say, hey, can you help me? What is the 101 of dealing with these crazy Israelites? There's no textbooks. There's no internet. There's no one that had done it before. And she had to clean up a big, big mess. It wasn't as if they were all getting along. It wasn't as if it was a happy place. They were walking away from God. 
So there was a lot of stuff going on. She said yes, she didn't worry about fitting a mould. As I was preparing this, I got a real, real thought this week that I believe there are a lot of people here, and if you're watching online, perhaps you, there are a lot of people that feel as if their call from God perhaps is unusual. It doesn't fit a mould. You're not quite sure what it's going to look like. Perhaps you see a glimpse of it or God's put something into your heart and you can think, man, if God wants to do that with me, how am I going to do it? How am I going to achieve that? Because maybe someone else hasn't done it. There's no books written for what it is you feel like God's put on your heart. But you're in good company because the Bible is full of heroes. And this is Deborah that we're looking at today. Deborah is a hero that said yes to God and God did the rest with her, didn't he? I was thinking this week, has anyone ever heard of imposter syndrome? Has anyone heard of this? Imposter syndrome. It's a psychological, this is the dictionary meaning because I'm very official. It's a psychological pattern in which an individual, they doubt their skills, their talents or accomplishments and they have a persistent internalised fear as being exposed as a fraud. As a Christian, as someone who has faith in God, whether you're just beginning or you've been walking with him for years, it can look like a persistent and private anxiety and a doubt that you can really fulfill your Christian calling, especially if God is calling you to a bigger and more challenging role. Has anyone ever felt like that before? Because God has plans and calls for all of us. We can't let imposter syndrome get in the way. We can't let our own thoughts get in the way because God's called us. He's put his spirit inside of us and his spirit can do anything. We say yes to God, we can change the course of history. However, that looks in our individual lives. The second lesson that we can learn from Deborah is, first one, she said yes to God. The second one, she did not bury her talents. She didn't bury her talents. Now, a lot of you would know the very cool story in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. I'm just going to paraphrase this, but write that down if you haven't. Matthew 25. So we have a master, a very rich master, who's going away for a period of time. And he has three servants. So what does he do? Calls his three servants to him and to the first one. So he, he knows he can look at them and he knows that they've got certain skills, certain abilities. So to the first one. He gives him five parables, a sum of money, and he says, look after this. To the second one, gives him two parables, look after this. To the third one, gives him one parable, one sum of money, look after this. So what do they do? The first two, well, they go and invest it, don't they? They go and double their money. So now all of a sudden, you've got the first one that has 10, the second one that has four, because they knew that their master would be returning, and they wanted to show, I've done what's good with the things that you've given me. I've stewarded it, I've looked after it, I haven't just sat it by, I've invested it and there's a, there's, you can see, it's come back, it's good. There's a profit there. The third one, he did not invest his talent, he buried it. He literally dug it into the ground, hid it, buried it because he was too scared to take a risk. He was too scared to do anything because he said, oh master, I knew that you were a harsh man. So he hid it. And the master comes back. And do you think he's happy? He is not happy. He is really not happy. He says, at least if you had invested into the bank, we would have got some interest if you'd just taken a step, if you'd just done something. 
We could see a spark of something. We could see an investment. We could see something change. But you didn't even do that. You just hid it because you were scared. When we look at Deborah, she did not hide her talents. God had given her many talents. She had the gift of wisdom. She had the gift of prophecy. She had the gift of insight. She had the gift of leadership. So much so that Barak said, I won't go to war if you don't come with me. She didn't bury her talents. It was uncomfortable for her, I'm sure, to step out and become a judge and a prophet of Israel. But she saw the need. She said yes to God. She did not bury her talents because she wanted the people to be looked after. She wanted to be someone that could bring answer and resolution. And I think it's so easy for us to bury our own talents. We all have gifts. God's given us all um, gifts. He's given us something to do something with. Don't be the person that buries it under the ground. You've got a call in your life. God wants to do something with you. And it's all individual. It's all unique. I mean, how many people did he create in this world? You know, we all have two eyes. We have a nose. But we all look so different. God's a creative God. He's given us creative talents. Don't be someone that buries it. Take a step. Trust in him. The third life lesson that we can get from Deborah. So the first is that she said yes to God. The second is that she didn't bury her talents. The third is that she pointed people towards God. Everything she did, everything she said, she was pointing people towards God. She made her move with, moves with confidence. In verse 6, she says to Barak, It has become clear. This is before they went to war when she summoned Barak. She said, It has become clear. In that one sentence alone, we can see that it's something she's thought about. It's something she's discussed with God. It's not, she didn't just say, Barak, come, we need to go do this. And it was rash. You can tell that there's been a process for her in discussion with God and God making it clear the steps forward, can't you? Barak, we're going to be doing this. It has become clear this is what the Word of the Lord said. She points him towards God. It's not about herself. It's about God. In verse 14, she says to him, so they're on a mountain. There's a battle, okay? So they have the 10,000 people. These are primitive soldiers, the people of Israelite, they have been overcome. Then we have Sisera's army, 900 iron chariots. These guys are sharp. They're lethal. You know, they're big people. You can imagine them standing on the hill that day thinking this is an impossible battle, sweat running down their back, the sun shining down on them. They would have kissed their wives goodbye that morning going, I don't know if I'm going to see you again. So we're talking Big emotions, big emotions, an impossible battle. But what does she do? She says to Barak in verse 14, charge. This very day, God has given you victory over Sisera. Isn't God marching before you? So in other words, take your eyes off of what's going on around you. Take your eyes off of the men. Take your eyes off of the problem. Take your eyes off of the battle. Take your eyes off of how big it looks. Charge. Isn't God going before you? We haven't talked a lot about chapter five, but chapter five in um, Judges straight after this one also is about Deborah. It's where Barak and Deborah come together and they write a poem. They write a song of praise towards God. So this is post-war. 
after they've won, after they've been defeated, after God has released the Israelites again and they've turned their faces and their hearts towards Him, there's a whole song about it. They're singing praises to God for delivering them. So you've got beforehand, she's seeking God. Barak, it has become clear. She points him towards God. You've got during, during the battle, during the trial, during the challenge. She's going, charge, God's going before us. Isn't God going before us? Take your eyes off the problem, look. You've got post, God, thank you for leading us through. God's faithful, God's good. God's led us through. And I want us to think today, I believe we've all got challenges, don't we? I mean, life's crazy at the moment. How good that we got to sing today. (laughs) It's just not church without singing together with you guys. And I'm so grateful. But there are challenges other than anything like this. There are challenges in our own lives that we have. Challenges in our own lives. We'll have challenges. We have choices. We will have battles going on, not to the extent of this crazy situation, but personally. We need to be people that say yes to God. We need to be people that don't bury our talents. God has a plan for you. He wants to use it. He wants to multiply it. He wants to change other people's lives. And by doing so, our lives, our words naturally point other people towards Jesus. And like I said earlier, I really feel as though This isn't, you know, Deborah's story is an unusual story, isn't it? It's an unusual story. It's an unusual call. She was a prophet and a judge. Those are big shoes. She didn't know how it was going to look. She just said yes to God and allowed God to use her. And I feel as though there are some people here, myself included, I have an inkling, I have a burn, I have a desire I kind of think, oh God, like my future could look like this, but I don't know how. And there are people here that you feel like your call is unusual. What God has for your future perhaps hasn't been done before. You're not sure how it's gonna look. Perhaps God wants to use you in a community in a new and fresh way. Perhaps He wants to use you to influence young people. Perhaps He wants to use you in your family to bring breakthrough. Perhaps He wants to use your gift of finances and for you to be able to explode something in the marketplace. I don't know what it looks like, but you do and God does. And you might have an inkling. And I want to pray for people who feel as though their call is unusual. But because it's unusual, you've been standing back. You haven't been going, God, yes, use me. You've been the one to put the brakes on because you're not sure how it's going to look. Today, I want to release those brakes. Let's take those brakes off. We don't need to have the brakes on. God's got us. He goes before us. He wants to use you to impact those areas. So why don't we pray together? And I'd love us. This is, can we all just stand actually? Let's just stand. and Yeah, God wants to meet some people today. Father, you're here, Lord. I thank you that wherever we are with our journey with you, you want to meet us. Whether we're just starting out, whether we're seeking, whether we don't perhaps know who you are, whether we've been walking with you for years, you see and you meet all of us. 
where we're at. We don't have to change for you. You come and meet us. You're a kind, good God. And Lord, I just pray for people that feel as though they're unsure how their call's gonna look. They wanna make a difference, but perhaps there's been some breaks on. They haven't completely been saying yes to you. There's been some talents that have been buried out of fear, out of apprehension. Father, right now we just come and pray. Pray over our people. We just come and say yes to you. If this is you, I just want you to put your hand up and just start crying out to God. Just start singing to God. Just start talking to Him. He knows, He sees. If you're watching this at home and this is you, just start responding to God wherever you are. Thank you, Jesus. God, we wanna be a people that say yes to you. We wanna be a people that shine your light. We wanna be a people that bring truth, that bring joy, that bring answers, that bring freedom. Just like Deborah brought freedom to the Israelites, we wanna be a people that bring freedom to those around us. I thank You that You've given us all individual calls. Nothing looks the same. It looks different to those next to us. And Lord, as we say yes to You, God, You use us, You release us. As we say yes to You, You use our talents inside of us so we can point other people towards You. Father, I just just encourage you guys, if this is You, just keep working on God with it during the week. Don't say no to Him. He wants to release you. And God, I just pray that just for a release over our church family, over those watching today, that we say yes to You. We be a people that says yes to You. Father, thank You. You know, I'm excited to hear the stories that come out in the short term, but also in the long term, because I believe we've got such a creative, beautiful group of people here that God's called us all together, that He obviously has a plan and a purpose for us. And I believe we're a creative bunch. I believe the future that God has for us, that God has for you, is unique and different because it'll make the most impact to your family to those in your immediate circle, but also to the community. And I look forward to hearing the stories of those people that had said yes. Jesus, pray over everyone today. We thank you. Thank you for our hero, Deborah. Thank you that her choices, her actions, her life really helped to free the Israelites and that we can learn from her. Thank you that she was a woman of faith. Thank you that we are men and women of faith, God. And we look up to you and answer to you, Jesus. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Awesome. Enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.